In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let's go into the word of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. It says, but none of these things move me. Thank you. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my cause with joy. Somebody say with joy. And the ministry which I have, what? Received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The ministry that we preach or we have received or the ministry that we do has to be the testimony of the gospel of the grace of God. So your definition for ministry is someone who is testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Say amen someone. Amen. Let's keep reading. Next verse. Verse 25. It says, And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. This is someone who persecuted the church before. But he said, I am innocent. Because if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. So let's keep reading. He says, for I have not shunned to declare unto you I like the word before the council there. So what's the word there you see? All the council of God. And from what we read just prior to this, we saw that it is testifying to the gospel of the grace of God that is the all of the council of God. So if I preach the gospel of the grace of God, I am saying everything God wants you to know. Nothing added. Nothing missing. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It does not need your extra power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There was a man who was, you know, joking with the gospel to someone. He was mocking, not even joking, mocking the gospel with his friend. And while he was mocking, two of them are unbelievers. In the process of mocking the gospel, his friend who was listening to him got convicted by the Holy Spirit, received Christ, gave his life to Christ, received Christ, right? Received the life of Christ. And all of a sudden, God filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues right there. And he was wondering, are they mock the gospel, you the born again? Because the gospel is the power. It does not need your assistance. All the gospel needs is just to be said. If it can be said, it is powerful enough. And if it can be heard, it will do the work that it does. The gospel of God is the power of God. So, he says here now that I have not shown to declare to you the counsel of God. Let's, let's, let's keep, this is powerful. Let's read verse 28. So, take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost 
have made you overseers to feed, somebody say feed the church of God which he have purchased with his own blood. See, Pastor Flo, let's celebrate Pastor Flo for teaching you because anything pastors are teaching, I see many of you recounting what the guest ministers are saying. So you are well taught here. Can we just use two seconds? Celebrate your pastor. Just, just two seconds. Niflo, uh-huh. you are doing some work here. The Bible says, count them of double honor, especially those that labor in doctrine of the grace of God. So, as against Luke chapter 7 verse 30, all of the counsel of God is the gospel. All of the counsel of God is the gospel. But look at Luke chapter 7 verse 30. It says, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, be not baptized of him. So the counsel of God is the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, he spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But, verse 2, but has in these last days spoken to us by his son. It means that the only way God is talking to you now is the, if you see the King James now, it says by, that he's there is in italics. So if you're going to read it properly, it will be by son. But just because the translators have to make sense, they will put by his son. So, I can also interpret it this way that he had in this last day spoken to us by son through the means of what the son has done is how he's talking to the church today. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? John chapter 1 from verse 1. What does it say? John chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was what? Was God. The word Word there speaks of logos or the thought. So in the beginning was a thought and was a logic. And the thought was with God and the thought was God. In other words, if you want to know what God was thinking from the beginning, go to verse 14 that says, the thought became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. So when I saw Jesus, Jesus is the thought of God. Jesus is what God has been thinking. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. Let me show you this. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. It says, for the Jews require a sign. You know, we have people like this in the church today. You, if you are telling them something, they don't want to believe you. Show me a sign, pastor. I want to feel something. Emotional Christianity. You know, your relationship with God is not romantic. Father, hug me. Hug me. Lord, I want to feel the hug. And the day the hug does not come, there will be a problem. Are you seeing where, you see, these are the issues. <laughs> these are the issues. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So people want to be deep in the church of God today. And you know what deep is to people? Like I said to you the other time. Deep is what you don't understand. 
Because we are loyal to what is more than our head. But the moment is too simple. You are now above it. Let me tell you, maturity in the believer's life is not where you mature out of God's care. Maturity is that you are staying there as you keep growing. So, in the natural life, the more mature you get, the more independent you become. But in the faith, the more mature you are, the more dependent you are. Uh-huh. Deep him, you guys, oh my God, him dependent. That means we are babies for life in the hands of a loving father. So I tell people, sit down, enjoy God and learn how to be taken care of because he loves you. He loves me. I'm a sheep and not be goats. Goat has internal GPS that has a local sense of I know what to do. But sheep always needs a shepherd. And he says, I send you a sheep amongst wolves. I want to be a lion amongst wolves. But he said, no, I send you a sheep amongst wolves. Because you would always need me. Always. So we never outgrow the Father's love. Never. At the highest point of Jesus, and at his lowest point, he kept hearing that voice. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. At his highest point, at his lowest point, he heard it. So let's keep going. Verse, what verse are we? Verse 23. It says, but we preach Christ. So if you want to know what deep is, deep is Christ. If you can bring Christ out, that is deep. So it says, but we preach Christ crucified. This is the whole counsel of God. Unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So now there's pastors that are going through under pressure. And what is the pressure? You want pastor to preach a message in a certain way. Okay? Now... You see, the pastor is telling you, I know what you need. Because what you want is not what you think. Uh-huh. You get it. <laughs> but what I want to give you is what you don't know that you need. But when you have it, you know you needed it all the while. So, see what it says now. Look at the next verse. It says, but, we, but unto them which are called, both the Jews who are looking for sign... And the Greeks who are looking for wisdom. Christ is that sign, power, and the wisdom of God that they are looking for. I want to talk to you about this Jesus who is our perfect sacrifice. Let's start with Romans chapter 3. From verse 20 to 26. I'm going to be closing very shortly because this night is packed for you. Romans chapter 3 from verse 20. You know, in the Old Testament, there's been a battle between the patience of God and the justice of God. So you, you can see that there is that. It looked as if to say that God was winking at sin. As if to say that God, who had the power to take his vengeance against sin, but he, he kind of just allowed his anger for a moment, but his mercy was more. 
than his judgment. And if the Bible says that his throne is supposed to be a throne of justice, then where is the justice of God in the concept that in the Old Testament you see that battle between his patience and his justice system? So let's start with Romans chapter 3 verse, verse 20. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh, what, be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is being manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You all understand this. Next verse. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference between the Jews and the Greeks. Then look at verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified. Is this scripture making sense to you? Being justified what? Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. The word propitiation there means appeasement. In other words, wrath is supposed to come to you, but there is a payment or there is an appeasement. There's like a mercy seat that speaks on your behalf. So that is what it is. But I thought about this and I said, did the love of God come after the sacrifice? Or did the sacrifice come because of the love of God? So when you look at it carefully, it looked as if to say God was angry initially in the Old Testament. And when Jesus now came, he softened his mind and said, because of Jesus, I'm not a vex again. But I, I looked at it. I said, no, it is his love that started the conversation first. That now brought the revealing of the sacrifice. In other words, the sacrifice revealed the father's love. So when I saw Jesus, I know how God had been feeling about me for a long time. So, the love of God precedes the sacrifice that came in. But see, there is something going here. It is talking about how he makes you just. Now, for those of you who are lawyers, you know what the dock is? The dock is that place where they put someone, or maybe the witness, and they're asking him questions. Now, in this point, God is in the dock right now. And they are asking God question in this verse. They are saying, God, tell us. Because all those people who you pardoned, let me read a scripture for you. See Psalms chapter 78 verse 38. Let me show you this to give you background. Psalms chapter 78 verse 38. It says, but he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. This was in the old. Yeah, many a time, he turned he, his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. Have you ever been in a situation whereby you know you are more powerful than somebody, but the person is just annoying you and the person keeps doing it and you know if you throw your full weight, the person will not survive. That thing of you holding back and not retaliating to someone's annoyance or someone's trigger or whatever it is, is what we call the forbearance. So God now is they are asking God questions. Say God, your throne is a throne of justice and judgment. The soul that sinned shall die. 
So why is it that you let pass the sins of people in the Old Testament and it looked as if you were winking at sin? So I'm seeing your patience, but I'm supposed to understand you as a just God. So what is your explanation? And God said, okay, this is my answer. My answer is, go back to uh, Romans chapter 3. It says, whom God has set forth to be propitiation through, through faith in his blood. To declare, not your righteousness now, but his own righteousness. That is to, to, what's the word now? To free himself. To vindicate himself. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the, for, it's called the forbearance of God. That God was patient with people. So they are saying, God, explain yourself. If I, let's use the NLT version because this... This King James sometimes, you know. Let's give us something light. <laughs> Use the NLT version of Romans 3.25. If you have it. NLT version of Romans 3.25. Oh, hallelujah. It says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Huh? People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in time past. I'm not sure you are following what I'm saying. See, a man sins and the next thing he does is to present a sacrifice after he has sinned. Because the sacrifice is supposed to speak for him. So now, uh, I hear a lot of people say, I understand you know, uh, past, present, future. How can God forgive our present sin? And how can he forgive our future? Future! Pastor, calm down. Future. No, 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 no. no. That's too much. If you tell me present sin, I understand. But how can you tell me that there is a sacrifice that forgives my future sin? Listen to me. The problem is not even the future sin. The problem is the past sin. <laughs> Man of God, come. Make I use you small. This is... Mr. Jesus. <laughs> Let me look for a sinner. There's no sinner in Christ. Amen. It's, it's a joko. Amen. Man of God, come. I don't know who you are, but you are doing well. <laughs> now, this man is a sinner from before before. Is a number one. Uh -huh. So if the sinner is supposed to bring a sacrifice, he brings the sacrifice to speak for his sin for that moment and what he had done. Okay? And the high priest would also do that for one year ahead for Israel. So the sacrifice is supposed to be in front of this man. Okay, so you stay here and face there. This is the sacrifice. This is the man. But there is another man. Come, man of God. Man of God, you go there. Go in front of him. This sacrifice is the basis for his forgiveness going forward. But the question we're asking now is, God, these people who are here, how did you forgive them? Because they had no sufficient sacrifice to speak for them. 
So, God said before the foundation of the world, what I did was that even though they were in the time past, I knew that the local sacrifice, goat, sheep, all that these ones were bringing, it was sufficient for just a time. But this one now, take me back to the scripture. This one now, I foresaw in my foreknowledge that there will be a sacrifice that doesn't just have the power to go forward, but has the power to go back to Adam. So, it says, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in time past. Next verse, verse 23. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time now. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair. In other words, when God, in the days of the old, he saw the sacrifice ahead of him. He said that if I don't punish them now, and Jesus comes later, it is still fair. Because the sacrifice of Jesus is the type that goes front and back. It's the type that goes, that's why the Bible says that the, the, oh my God, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world, which means that there was a sacrifice that was speaking ahead, even though he had not come. So everybody who was in the Old Testament was an actor playing a script. They were all prophesying about the coming of Jesus. Everybody from David to Abraham to Isaiah to all of them, they were actors. And the last man standing was John the Baptist, who Jesus looked and said, of all men who are prophets, the greatest is John the Baptist. But the least is this still John the Baptist. Because you are more than John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist did not do any miracle. No, he didn't call fire from heaven. He didn't do any of those. He didn't part the Red Sea. Because everyone, everyone was saying, writing about Jesus, prophesying about Jesus, but John the Baptist was saying, see him here. Okay? So now he's the greatest by that status. Okay? Now, Jesus had to complete the chain. Because in completing the chain, everything that was played out, because the, this, God, our father is a faithful serial promise keeper. Let me put it this way. He's a, he's, if I use the word pathological, he's a pathological serial promise keeper. That God is faithful to you. He loves you. And his faithfulness to you is not because you are faithful to him back. No, 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 no. Don't get it wrong. Because, in fact, it is even scary because God's faithfulness to you sometimes can make you look as if you are in his will. Because he doesn't withdraw his goodness from you. Even if you are not in his will. Because his, his provision for you is a thing of covenant. He does not withdraw his grace for provision or his presence from you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It was a swearing. He will never leave you. Just like he swore to Abraham. He did not need to swear. Because swearing, covenant, is a thing of man. It's a language of man. Because if I tell you something and I say, you do your part, I do my part. If I fail, 
then it means we have to bind ourselves by a covenant that should punish me because I failed. Because man's words cannot be trusted. But God gave a promise to Abraham and did not need to swear because his word is enough. But that's what the Bible says, by two immutable things, which is the word that he gave or the promise and the swearing. So God says, I, I'm not supposed to swear, but I will swear that in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And he was not talking about the Jews, he was talking about Jesus. For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord and having become a curse for us. And it is written, the curse is anyone who hangs. That's why he, Jesus did not die by stopping. He must die on the cross. Because the cross was symbolic of a curse. The tree was symbolic of a curse. So you couldn't just kill Jesus anyhow. No, there was a plan. That's why I'm telling you, your father is a pathological, serial promise keeper. That he's faithful to you, but he's also faithful to his plan. So, what he does is that when he tells you, I love you, if you don't love him back, he keeps loving you, but he's still faithful to his plan. Now, what does this mean? This means that if you are not a part in the player of God's plan, it means that that sovereign plan will still happen one way or the other. So our commitment to God is not a thing of right. It's a thing of privilege. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, when I, I win souls, I, I, I speak to someone. I, say, I, I tell the person, Jesus loves you. He, he gave himself for you. And that person receives Christ. Do you know something? That there are a million and one ways that that person would have received Christ. So if that person received Christ through me, I tell myself, God, thank you for making me the vessel. Yes, sir. So that's why if you are doing anything you are doing, at the time you are doing it, it is a privilege. That is why we are plenty in this kingdom. The Bible says that a, a man said to his son, and he said to another. <laughs> it's a privilege. He said to his son, and he said to another. A man said to his son, go into the vineyard. The son said, I will not go. Later he said, I will go. Then he said to this, he said, he said to the second. Because if he tells you, you do shakara, he will still love you. Yeah. He will still care for you. But you see, that is plan. He can even skip a generation to wait for one person who picks that plan. So, so you see, your place in the kingdom is privilege. Jesus was the player. And I thank God that he obeyed the call to die. Hey, listen to me. Did you know, to me, the greatest temptation was not the temptation of turning stone to bread. No, all that temptation was a temptation based on his identity. But the greatest temptation was not in the wilderness, but in the garden. Because in the garden, he, he was thinking, Father, hush. when it came to purpose, because the whole of mankind is hinging on that one action of God. If he did not die, Jesus could not die because he would be in Jerusalem today. As a 2,000 years old man, the world oldest man, the world richest man, doing miracles, doing great things. He's the king of kings, but he has missed his plan. Sometimes the provisions of God can be louder than his will for our lives. 
Sometimes what he wants you to do. Sometimes the blessings are louder. And it, you, don't mistake the blessings, the presence of the blessings for the fact that you are in his plan. Because a lot of people are sleeping, right? A lot of people are not involving themselves. But you see, the, the Bible says that he has chosen us before the foundation of the world in him to be called holy and without blemish. You are called holy. You are chosen to be called holy. Chosen to be called holy. What is holy? Holy is not innocent. Holy is what has the spirit of God in. Holy is not by who did not commit sin. That's not holy. Did this chair commit sin? But can you call this chair holy? No. It's, it's set apart. Set apart. I'm holy. Who here knows that you are holy? I'm holy. I'm called. I'm chosen. By him. I'm chosen. I'm holy. So Jesus, he died on that cross. He took your pain and he was the sacrifice that could go forward and could go back. That's why we are no longer afraid. No wonder the Bible says that we have not received again the spirit of bondage to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. It was the people of the Old Testament who received the spirit of bondage because when God came, everybody took off. No man stands in his unveiled presence without being consumed. Everybody ran. But it says you and I have not received the spirit of bondage. We have liberty of spirit. We have not received that spirit of fear. No. Look at, look at the way he did with Abraham. God, I mean, three angels appeared and they came to, they were passing through Abraham's house. And in the moment Abraham saw them from afar, they, they saw the angel. Abraham went met him. He said, come and eat in my house. This angel had a flask of anger. That anger is called the wrath of what God wanted to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. So God appeared right in Abraham's house, passing through Abraham's house. But Abraham saw that God was coming through his house and he said, come, dine with me in my house. Let me make bread for you. How many of you will see angel of the Lord passing with flask of anger? And you will say, come and pass by my house, Jesus. No, sir. <laughs> many of you will just, if I, you just say, just, just be going. <laughs> Have you ever told somebody before, carry your wahala day? Not because I cannot respond to you, but just carry your wahala day go. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham with the flask of anger. Hi. He said, come, eat in my house. Meanwhile, the angel hold flask of anger. And after they ate, the angel of the Lord, the theophanic expression of God, said, by this time tomorrow, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. With the flask of anger. And then, <laughs> Abraham went to tell his wife. He says, honey, see what the angel said. That you're going to have a baby. Sarah laughed. But you know that if you read the New Testament account, it will not say Sarah laughed. It will say Sarah was in faith. Staggered not in unbelief. Somebody who went into Hegel, but it says that no, Abraham was strong in faith. Staggered not in unbelief. 
Because the narrative of God is different from your narrative. You see yourself as a sinner, but he says, you are my son. You are righteous. And then therefore, before you know it, he says, you, your wife, he says, he says that you laugh. He said, I didn't laugh. He went back. He said, she said she didn't laugh. He said, tell her I said she laughed. Somebody with anger. Oh. He said, you laugh. I didn't laugh. You laugh. I didn't laugh. You laugh. I didn't. With anger. But when that same God turned to Solomon and Gomorrah, fury. Because at that point, Abraham was not under the law. So he did not have the spirit of bondage to fear. And Gabriel appeared to him. And he said to Zechariah, he says that I'm the one who stands before God. You're going to have a son. He's called John the Baptist. And he will do this, he will do that, he will do that. He said, before he said, how can all these things be? He said, wait, first of all, I am the one who is with God. You are just here talking rubbish. First of all, take it. <laughs> Receive the spirit of dumbness. The same angel appeared to Mary and said, thou art highly favored. Grace was about to be born. It says, thou art highly favored. And told her of the promise that you're, you're going to conceive as you are not married. And she says, how can this thing be? Same question though, that was asked. Grace is asking different questions. The angel was explaining to her. He said, no, no, no. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. He said, eh. he was explaining. He was just trying to explain to her. Because you see, favor and grace. He said, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba Father. The sacrifice of Jesus was potent enough. That sacrifice of Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he swallowed up the judgment of God. For the first time in history, judgment was swallowed up by sacrifice. Every time judgment is poured on sacrifice, it will consume the sacrifice. Lick up the sacrifice, waiting for more. But when it was Jesus' time, he lifted up his hands. I mean, he lifted up his voice and he said, It is finished. What was finished? Judgment is over. Mercy has triumphed over judgment. And he did not say it is finished dead. He said it is finished alive. Meaning sacrifice seniors judgment. It swallowed up the judgment. Then he died on the cross. And he went in there. And he met all those people who were in there. And he began to preach to all the spirits in prison. I can assume that he also preached to the Old Testament patriarchs of faith. He will look at David and he says, David, I am the person you talked about when you said, Thou will not suffer thy soul to see corruption. Thou will not suffer the Holy One to see corruption. I am the one you talked about. He will look at Noah and he will say to Noah, Noah, you brought people into the ark and you shielded them from the flood. But I am that ark today. Noah, anyone who comes, I am the ark right now. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. He looked at Jonah and he said, Jonah, I am the one who your experience was mirroring. Because the fish swallowed Jonah. One preacher said the Jonah swallowed the fish. A little girl in the congregation said, Pastor, no. The fish swallowed Jonah. The pastor said, any which way there was a swallowing. There was a swallowing. And he looked at Jonah and said, Jonah, that fish was mirroring my experience. Three days you are in the belly of the fish. And I am right now three days in the belly of the earth. But guess what? I'm coming back in victory. I'm taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Victorious all the time. You have the keys of death, hell with you. Because he has given you all power. He's given you all authority. Who here has authority now? 
act like it, talk like it, behave like it. You are powerful. You are powerful. You are powerful. He looked at Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, you are the one. I was the one you wrote about when you said he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Right now I have fulfilled all of that. So anyone who looks at me is healed. Anyone who puts faith in the cross is healed. Anyone who puts faith in what I've done is righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he has done. That sacrifice was powerful and potent enough. Powerful and what? Potent enough. I don't need to perform to obtain. No. I need him to perform. And that's why I have obtained. No, I don't. Quit trying to do your own thing, your own works. But guess what? He finished it on the cross. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus that's why it's called the bread of life. Not the sugar of life. Because when you're making bread, bread is finished product. So when you eat bread, you have everything inside. How do you eat bread? Do you eat bread by taking egg? Swallow the egg. Swallow the flour. Drink small water. Drink milk. Shake your belly. Make everything mix. Then turn to bread. He said, no, just eat bread. You have bread. He said, I'm the bread of life. If you have me, it's complete. They said, we want to see Jesus. He said, no, except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. But if he dies, he bears much fruit. Whew. It is finished. That sacrifice was potent enough. That sacrifice was good enough. That sacrifice was more than enough. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You know what I tell people? I tell them you are hell tested. Because you died with him. You were buried with him. And you rose with him. That means if hell could not stop Jesus, hell can't stop you. You were in his experience. You were in his story. His history is your story. You were in everything that happened to him. I speak in the name of Jesus the name that is above every name I release grace right now upon you there is a restoration because resurrection power is in you who is shouting amen to what I'm saying I said resurrection power is inside of you the Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I am more than conquerors through him that loved me I am above and not beneath. Power is walking on my inside. Grace is walking on my inside. Just because of the death, the burial, and... Lift your hands up. Come on, lift your hands up. The love of God is sweeping through you right now. I don't know who you are, but I see depression getting out here. I don't know who you are, but I see depression getting out here. I said I see depression getting out here. There's somebody who is listening to me. You just don't know why you are not happy. The things that you prayed for has come, but you are still not happy. He said we are the circumcision 
who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. When the Bible tells you to rejoice, it's because you can rejoice. Because the spirit of God in you is rejoicing. I see depression living, living, living. Because your faith is built on nothing else but on him. It's living, living. When the Bible says rejoice with those who are rejoicing, the Bible did not say what happened to those that are rejoicing will happen to you, but it said rejoice with them. Because why they are rejoicing may be because of a happenstance. But you don't need what happened to them to happen to you to rejoice with them. Because you have the ability to rejoice. You must be smart about your salvation. We don't let depression, we don't let sadness. When I think about what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, that's where my joy comes from. That's where my peace comes from. Can you show right now, show Lagos, show your neighbor that you rejoice in Christ. You rejoice in what he has done. Somebody rejoice. Somebody rejoice. Somebody rejoice. Somebody rejoice. Somebody shout. Somebody shout. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Shout of joy is found in our midst. Listen to me. Be bold about what you carry. Be bold about what Christ has done for you. I'm the righteousness of God. God had to be just first to prove that your own, that he, that he will be called the, he's, he's just in justifying the ungodly. Father, we bless your holy name. We give you praise. We magnify your name. We just love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there for us. We praise your holy name. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the shout of a king is amongst them. Like I said, Balaam was going to curse the people. But he said, I can't curse these people because the shout of a king is amongst them. Why they are shouting, we don't know. There is nothing that looks like rejoicing around them. But they still rejoice. I rejoice. It's not because something is funny. I rejoice because he's my, he's my strength. He's my joy. He's my salvation. He's my peace. He's everything to me. When matters, when things go left, sometimes my default response is to laugh in the spirit. Say, Pastor, what's funny? Nothing is funny, but I'm responding to a thought in my head with laughing in the Holy Ghost. Everything that he did for you is enough. More than enough. More than enough. I got to go, man. Come on, let's celebrate God one more time. Lift your voice and celebrate the Lord.